Earn great returns on your money with the safety and security of a community bank. Bank of Clark is offering 4.85% annual percentage yield on six-month CDs, 5% APY on 12-month CDs and IRAs, and 4.95% APY on nine-month CDs. Visit your local Bank of Clark branch today or go to bankofclark.bank. We're the bank for that. Member FDIC. Limited time offer. Rate subject to change at any time. Minimum balance of $1,000 on CDs. Zaza Music Festival, the most anticipated summer event, is coming to Bader Field in Atlantic City on July 15th and 16th. Lado, Da Baby, Remy Ma, Freeway, Beanie Siegel, Coyle Ray, Coco Jones, and more. Plus, the world premiere of the new Burner Boy Breakfast Metaverse series with more artists to be announced. Tickets are on sale now at ZazaFestivals.com. Get your tickets before they're gone. Visit ZazaFestivals.com for more info about the VIP experience and the full lineup. ZazaFestivals.com. Hi, and welcome to the Grace Under Pressure podcast. Uh, Today, I'm joined by my lovely better half, Benjamin Willis. Am am I lovely today? Oh, that's good. Always love. (laughs) Hooray. Um, and so, yeah, we are doing uh, the first of what I hope to be several kind of book club jujitsu uh, sessions. Uh, and today we're looking at the book Talent is Overrated by Geoff Colvin. Colvin? G-E-O-F-F. Yeah, G-E-O-F-F Colvin. Jeff Colvin. There we go. Um, and so we are uh, going to be talking about that. I took some notes because that is the English teacher in me. I always have notes and I have to be prepared. Uh, ben, is there anything you want to share before I jump into my notes? Any initial impressions on the book? Sarah came exceptionally prepared. I was very much fly by night reading the book and had some pretty cool takeaways from it. So, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to be hearing a lot from Sarah and just a couple of uh, inputs from Ben from time to time. So let's see how this works out. Yeah, it's the, the type A and the type B personalities or the, the type five researcher and the type five, what is it, the individualist, right? We'll go with that. Sure. We'll go with that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this book uh, really focuses and challenges the commonly held belief that successful individuals are inherently talented uh, and that that success is largely determined by genetic endowment. Uh, And so Colvin uh, argues that this this success is primarily a result of deliberate practice and hard work rather than just innate talent. Um, And he explains that successful individuals and organizations uh, focus on developing their skills and abilities through consistent, focused, and deliberate effort rather than by relying on natural talent. And so he explores this idea in a variety of fields, including sports, music, and business to support his argument and provides practical advice on how to develop his own, excuse me, one's own abilities through deliberate practice. Uh, And so specifically, I'm kind of wanting to zero in on some concepts found in chapter five and four. Uh, And what Colvin really uh, demonstrates is that deliberate practice uh, quite literally can change a person. And so deliberate practice makes uh, the performer perceive, know, and, well, remember more. And he explains uh, how tennis pros in this chapter in this section are able to perceive more. And uh, specifically specifically on page 86, it says top tennis pros have all pushed themselves 
themselves to the point where it's tough to achieve any more reaction speed. And the very best, however, have found a way to get around that limitation. Essentially, through deliberate practices, athletes are able to see more than just the path of the ball. Uh, They've actually developed a better and faster ability to understand what they see. And it's the nuance of seeing and perceiving uh, something that comes through deliberate practicing, uh, deliberately practicing skills. And they understand factors that the average performers don't even notice. And that's on page 88. And in turn, they're able to know more based on less information. And they learn this ability for decisions that are the most critical, those split second decisions that can win or lose games. Um, And so in general, deliberate practice is effective because it focuses on uh, a focused and systematic way of allowing individuals to target specific weaknesses, set achievable goals, receive feedback, and make necessary adjustments to improve their performance. And by consistently challenging themselves and pushing beyond their comfort zone, individuals using deliberate practice can build up their skills and reach a higher level of mastery in their field. And additionally, deliberate practice helps build the neural connections needed to perform you know, certain complex tasks, making it easier to perform those tasks fluently in the future. And so you may be asking now, <laughs> um, with those are just a fraction. I'm not even kidding. Those are just three paragraphs of my notes. I have like 22. Um, but rather than just read a dissertation, um, I want to open it up to conversation. So all that said, you know, Ben, what did you think on his notes on deliberate practice versus versus uh, just innate talent? So first of all, you are very much an English teacher. <laughs> I thought we were going to go just bit by bit discussing it. No, 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 no. You went straight to the notes and just kept going. Yes, I'm sorry. And you could have kept going. I could. I have I have three pages, folks. That's ridiculous. But anyway, um, it really is something that's fascinating to have read over. And then when you start thinking about it, you watch it in real life. Um, and then you can apply it to certain aspects on the things that you like. Um for me specifically, it's been in training. I uh, have kind of changed the pace. A younger version of me was just going extremely hard a lot of the time. And as I've aged, and I'm not old per se, no. but at 29, I can't do what 19, 20, 21-year-old high school decent level wrestler used to be able to do. And so... It's been cool just to take a step back and with my primary training partners, like, hey, we're going to train almost every day, bit by bit by bit. We're deliberately focusing on just movement. If we want to focus on a specific technique, that's what we're going to focus on. And just seeing how deliberately changing the pace over a period of just a few weeks to a month and a half. And then when you finally say, all right, it's time to now push it for real just how easily it just changes the entire demeanor of a real role. Hmm. Um, and I kind of stole that concept from a guy named Farasa Hobby, um, who was George St. Pierre's coach, in that like you were deliberately focusing on the technique. It's not just, all right, we do this move three times and we're done. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we are focusing we were trying to actively hit it, focus on trying to find the pathway to it. Mm-hmm. And it's really been enlightening and fun just to see that development. I'm kind of enjoying 
look looking forward to how it's going to change my game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's. I mean, making that time and carving out that that time to specifically develop those techniques in a deliberate way. Mm -hmm. And I think too often, and I think it just depends gym to gym, right? And personality to personality. Sometimes uh, we downplay the importance of drilling and and making those movements intentional. Um, Because, you know, the expression is what? Drillers make killers, right? (laughs) Um, But that's so true. I mean, you think about it. If you don't have the technique and you haven't done what the thousand hours, you know, 10,000, excuse me, I I dropped a zero there. But if you haven't done that kind of time on the mat drilling, how on earth are you going to actually be able to implement that in a role, right? Well, I would even say that it's not necessarily just doing the movement itself. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, you can hit an arm bar on a static drill partner, static dummy, mm-hmm. but you need that little bit of live movement. Yeah. And, and it's not necessarily 100% resistance. It's, hey, we're going to go back and forth, mm-hmm. constantly move, catch and release. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. if you know you caught the arm bar, great release. And let your, uh, imagine that your partner escaped. Right. What do they do from there? Got you. Got you. So it's kind of like the essence of flow rolling, correct? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah. flow, but people have taken flow maybe a little too easily. Mm-hmm. This is flow, I would call it flow plus. Mm-hmm. Like it's got a little pace to so it. So it's like the catch and release Catch model. and release. Yeah. And I would like, and I like to, you want to be able to sweat at the end of it all. Yeah. But you don't want to be so sore and banged up and beat up. That you can't train later. That you can't train the, the next day. Right. No, and I think that's really good. And I think that kind of goes into the the next level of like deliberate practice because it's one thing to have those those hours on the mat or those hours on, you know, the green space. Isn't that what they call it with uh, I almost said football um, with golf, right? You know, when you're teeing up, you know, there's work with me here Ben I'm trying to make the illusion in no way shape or form am I a golfer so I am I not no either idea. but there's references in the book so I'm trying to to draw on those oh. references yes and so like you know Tiger Woods you know he had practices these mo- practiced those moves mm-hmm. you know ad nauseum so that it becomes muscle memory mm-hmm. but a very vital part of that is feedback mm-hmm. um, which is what I wanted to kind of pivot into uh, with jujitsu you have the drilling you have the rolling or the sparring you know if you're in a different martial art that doesn't call it rolling um, but then you get feedback and I think sometimes mm-hmm. when we do the rolls we don't get good quality feedback mm-hmm. um, it's just you know you may do a really cool move and then somebody might ask you and I, I've had that happen to me before man how'd you get that I have no idea it just happened <laughs> um, so I don't know the feedback seems to be something that some, some coaches do very well. Others maybe don't do as much. So a quality coach is always going to be able to find little things to adjust mm-hmm. and let you know, and like, but also let you figure out on your own sometimes. You can't just say, oh, coach, do it. Coach will tell me to do it like this. Sometimes it's just not an option. You have to be able to adjust. And like, hey, instead of doing it like so, maybe – Adjust it in this way. See how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, feedback is necessary. Like we obviously we we look at ourselves with the uh, rose tinted glasses. Like I'm the best sure. there's ever been. Obviously not. That's right. not the truth. 
and you need an honest coach with quality input that knows what they're doing and knows what they're doing maybe to an extent better than you. They might not be able to do it as well as you, mm-hmm. but they may have the knowledge base. Right. Years and years of experience. Mm-hmm. Like Tiger Woods has a coach. Right. Do you think that guy can be Tiger Woods in a game called? No. Probably not. Yeah. But then there's also really cool in this day and age is film. Yeah. We, we see absolutely everything we do. Mm-hmm. Almost everything, especially in competition scene, is out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the prolifer- proliferation of the game has come from YouTube and these websites where people put their matches on film. Yeah. And it's really cool. And like it, immediate feedback, did that work? Oh, wow. That's really cool. How did they do that? Mm-hmm. So I look at film as another form of feedback, and I believe that was actually mentioned mm-hmm. in the book, in which like people film themselves in their golf swings mm-hmm. when they're alone. They don't have a coach giving them that feedback. Right. I think um, now I'm not in. I didn't play football, um, but I know that there is those those sessions where the players will look at film. Am I not mistaken? Yes. On that, absolutely. Um, and that's a. Uh, kind of a review session mm-hmm. on seeing what did and didn't work the previous week and maybe even look at the next week's game, see mm-hmm. what they're doing, seeing if there's any tells. Mm-hmm. Uh, football is one of those sports where feedback is constant, especially when it's such a team-focused thing. Mm-hmm. All parts have to be moving in unison at the right time, in the right places, right? all while doing completely different jobs. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, you know, the film idea, maybe if, you know, if it wasn't a weird thing, if you were, if you got permission, if, you know, from your coach or something like that in the gym, if you could get permission to video your own, you know, rounds in class, maybe you could see what was or what wasn't working, um, even your roles and to see, you know, how can you iron out your game plan? What could you do um, in preparation of, you know, a match coming up? You know, I'm thinking about for myself, you know, even uh, getting on to the mats again for an IBJJF, you know, videoing my game plan with different body types of, you know, what if they do this or what if they do that? Does that work? What can I do to adjust here? Or if they step here, what what are my options? Did this work? Did that not work? You know, maybe. That'd be interesting. I've never seen a film of a practice per se, but I, I don't see why it wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, it just might not be as serious. It might not be a true live go. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a lot of times film is, all right, let's see what the real deal looked like. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, film feedback, however you can get it, I think would be just ideal for anyone Always, you know, reading yeah. this. And I think one thing I really did appreciate about the book is that so often, you know, that is the, the cli- not the cliche, but the kind of the go to. I don't want to say excuse, but something that people say, well, I'm just not talented enough. No, no, it's that's obviously there are certain levels of athleticism. Some mm-hmm. people are born. A stronger human being. There is a base level. Mm -hmm. But athleticism, to an extent, can absolutely be taught if practiced appropriately. Mm -hmm. It really all depends on what are you willing to put in Mm -hmm. outside of just the basic hours. You can't just show up to the very, very beginner classes, do your move three times, and then do your next move three times, and then roll for 20 minutes and yeah. call that a class. Right. Like eventually you keep doing that, you'll get fine at your shits, you'll get a rank. 
Yeah. But are you going to get to that true next level? Mm-hmm. There's no way. Yeah. Um, that kind of goes into the kind of the most, my biggest takeaway was Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. They did some really, they did some really cool math for Jerry Rice. We all know Jerry Rice is a product of Mississippi Valley State University, probably one of the greatest wide receivers in history. Mm-hmm. They did the math and they said that his actual time playing football in game in the NFL was some ridiculously low percentage, like less than 1%. The amount of extra work Jerry put in, not even just in his regular day-to-day practices, but alone, grinding it out, perfecting his art, that is how Jerry became so prolific Mm -hmm. in the game. Like he probably spent like less than a percent in game, somewhere around twenty percent in practice, mm-hmm. and everything else was on his own. He would run routes. I remember hearing stories about when he was a young man, like before he went to even college, he would chase horses in fields. Mm-hmm. And then when he got to San Francisco, he had this mountain he used to run. Yep. And just keep going and keep going, and then he he would bring people out with him, and they couldn't keep up with him. Yeah. All that is what made Jerry Rice great. It's the time outside of the basics mm-hmm. that put him to the next level. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and what I love about this book is that it's not just sports he talks about, right? Oh, no. He talks about everything, you know, from, uh, you know, academics are in there, but uh, business is kind of what he went back into. But I mean, as a, as a teacher, you know, I can tell if somebody's really naturally talented and like, they don't have to seemingly work for the good grade, you know, which the Lord blessed them with that ability to understand, at least on my end of the, you know, end of the academic field with English and humanities, um, but they're just naturally gifted writers. But I can tell those who are putting in the work yeah. that are wanting to do well and they're wanting to hone their craft, mm-hmm. uh, which sounds really, you know, prestigious, you know, when I put it that way. But, you know, they're wanting to be better and they're wanting mm-hmm. to work hard. They want to get good at it. And they're going to write, you know, over the long term, they're going to be better writers than the ones who might be naturally gifted because they're putting in those hours and they are devouring uh, different ways to approach, you know, writing. And, you know, I can tell, you know, teachers can tell, coaches can tell, you know, bosses can tell, you know, or you may be the boss, but you can tell those people who are working and putting in those hours. It's just a better quality product, whether that be your performance in sports, business, academics, you know, I'm not going to say that, you know, every single time you put in hours, you're going to, going to win, you know, you need to put in 10,000 hours, you're automatically going to be the best. Well, no, you know, that's not the case. You know, there's other people who are hardworking and they may have talent those two together. It's just a deadly combination. Right. Uh, But you're going to be so much better off than the person who is naturally gifted and just lazy beyond belief. And that was you, when you get to the academic field, you kind of reminded me like, oh, I used to be that highly talented kid in high school. Then I get to a very difficult high school compared to what I had come from. Like, oh, I'm just average now. And then I go to a public university and like, okay, so that barely getting by at, the public, at that new private high school doesn't cut it even at the college level. Mm-hmm. I have to work now. Yeah. And it was very difficult to learn how to put in that work. Like it took me probably the first year and a half of getting my butt kicked by college courses. I'm like, oh, okay, 
this isn't a cakewalk anymore. And it was a mm-hmm. difficult wake up call. And I knew some people that I had known for years. I'm like, I, I know I'm smarter than this person. Mm-hmm. But they buckled down. They focused. They did everything that was asked of them. And they're highly successful people. And that's really cool to see mm-hmm. people that I, I felt that I was more naturally talented than become extremely hardworking, extremely talented, extremely successful people. And it was a lesson learned in my part. And it's kind of woken me up and made it, all right, you got to put in the work every day to get get the results. You can't just, uh, what, what do they call it, uh, phone it in? Yeah, you can't phone it in. Yeah. And so I think this idea of deliberate practice is something that uh, weighs it's something that I think we naturally understand the importance of. I mean, if you step back and you really, you know, think about it and you kind of break down that cliche of, oh, well, this person's just talented. You know, they just got this innate ability. You know, sometimes what we take is, oh, well, they just have this innate ability. Well, actually, if you look behind the curtain, no, it's thousands of man hours trying to be the best at something. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, of course, again, uh, Colvin, you know, is looking at all these different areas of life, whether it be sports and business. I think he's really focusing on the business part, to be honest with you. But uh, it really does when you are really devoting time to something, it just makes those he talks about how it reshapes your brain and how it makes those connections stronger in your brain so that when you are doing a move it is second nature you're not having to think about it um like the idea that the tennis players they're able to predict and know exactly where that ball is going when it's served just because they have spent so many hours working on that do you remember what what was the tell i can't remember right off the top it was body language Oh, yeah, that's right. And so, like, they were watching the, the server's body. Mm-hmm. And just by the angle and the approach, they're like, all right, this is where the ball is going to be. And they're making that movement beforehand. Mm-hmm. And they're able to be. And that's just so cool how in the sports and with your brain, you were able to make up. There's only so fast a reaction time can get. So you're having to make predictions based on very little information. It's not that they're superhuman. It's just that they, they've saturated themselves in it and that that allows them to be like okay i'm going to be going you know left two steps it's going to be there or right you know one step is going to be there you know that's just kind of crazy you know yeah and and it does apply to things outside of just sport um it's kind of like me and work Mm -hmm. at times like when i first took over my department i had no clue how to react to certain problems Mm -hmm. well you run into that problem five to six times all of a sudden all right, well, let's improve from last time. Let's see if we make an adjustment. Okay, I see the problem. All right, it was better. Well, it was better, but was it as good as it could have been? No. Mm-hmm. And it's that constant desire and constant ways of looking to improve it, which makes it really cool. Just mm-hmm. to, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, and it, it forces you to be actively engaged, right? It forces you to take stock of what's going on in your department, going on in whatever endeavor it is that you're engaged in, right? To see what are those weaknesses and try different things and making that better. You know, I think you talked about with Benjamin Franklin with becoming just uh, this prolific essayist and he would spend all this time, you know, doing these drills with writing that over time he got better and better and better and better. You know, it's finding ways 
Um, there's different ways to practice, you know, deliberate practice with sports. And that's kind of how, you know, I'm reading it to kind of implement it into to even my game into when I'm coaching of what can we do to fill in those gaps? What are some, you know, strategies we can use? Um, but I just like the idea that there, no matter what your field is, you're wanting to get better in, there are ways you can practice to get better that, you know, but the first way to get better is to identify what am I struggling in? What am I lacking in? And that all comes back to feedback. So it's just this wonderful thing that it, it no man is an island. You know, you have to have feedback. You have to have a community to build you up, you know, I think. Yeah, you can't, no one can do it on their own. Um, no great athlete, no great businessman didn't come up without some semblance of support. Obviously, like say in business, say you came up completely on your own or you perceived it as such. Well, who recognized that you had the drive? Who recognized that you had the talent mm-hmm. and the desire to improve yourself to get to that next level? There's always somebody that's going to pull you up and or push you to get to the next degree if they are vested in you. Mm-hmm. And that's that's key is finding people who are vested in you. Mm-hmm. Um you know, some people are fortunate that that's a family member. Other people, it may be a community member. Um, and, I mean, for those who don't think anyone is vested in, in you, you're vested in you. You know, you can find people and uh, seek out mentors, seek out coaches um, that can see something, you know, that you see something in them and you want to emulate it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, is it biblical that like God helps those that help themselves? Or is I, that just something that people made up? I, I'd have to go back and look uh, and see that. But I think it's uh, it's taken from Scripture, but the idea, yeah, that God helps those who help themselves. But I, I don't think that's in Scripture specifically. Okay. Well, it, it's still a concept that a lot of people can get behind. Like, why why would I give somebody a complete and utter handout? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, everybody goes through hard times and struggles. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to need help at some point, Mm -hmm. but I feel more strongly and more willing to help someone if I see, hey, they're putting in what they can, they're trying, and they're just not quite getting it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, let's let's give them a little feedback. Let's see if we can help them out a little bit. Yeah. Outside a person is like, oh, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I think you can, but you're going to try a little bit harder. No, I'm good. I'll leave you alone. Yeah, and I think that's something that, you know... I'm going to say for worse, not for better or for worse. I think it's for worse that so many people in our culture, in our society today, they're very quick to quit uh, and and give up. There's that, there's not that, uh, for some people, it seems in the general culture, they're very quick to play a victim mentality that I can't get better, that everything's stacked against me. But, you know, if you believe that, that's, that's what you're going to become. You know, there's so much of, you know, getting better is you know, wanting to, to improve, wanting to get better, uh, by no means, does that mean that it's easy? You know, by no means, does that mean that you're not going to have to work hard and you may take two steps forward and one step back at times. But, um, if anything, you know, it's that desire to improve that desire to put in those man hours, uh, and seeking out people who do want the best for you. You know, that's, you know, if anything I've read, you know, that I've gathered from this book and just reflecting on life in general with it, um, is that if you want to improve, you have to make that a mission, right? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. You have to improve. Like, you have to focus and you have to understand, like, this is the goal. This is the time frame. Mm -hmm. Let's figure it out. And that's on you at that point. Mm -hmm. And I think he also mentioned with the corporations, you know, they want to make, you know, better leaders, better managers. And, you know, the corporation has to implement an actual plan, uh, a set of deliberate practice, this idea of, you know, having an objective, giving feedback, having measurable steps to improve, um, you know, because you can say all the right things, but you actually have to put your money where your mouth is. You know, you need to have a game plan. You need to have steps uh, to improve and having that feedback system that's actually going to work, you know. Business side's a lot harder than sports. Yes, it is. It is. And it, it's it's one of those things when it got to the business, I'm like, mm, I don't know how that works because <laughs> that's not my world. Said than done. Yes, it is. It is. And even like the idea of being a master in your field, like as a teacher, you know, that's something like, well, how do I measure mastery with that? You know, like how do you, you know, challenge yourself to improve? You know, and those that's a whole question of, you know, like pedagogy, or no, I'm not, I can't even say Pedagogy. Pedagogy. Thank you. Um, the English teacher here cannot pronounce things to save her life today. Hey, who's the licensed English teacher? Uh, I am as well. Thank you, You're sir. Licensed? Yes. What? With the state? Uh, with the, the independent school system? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know they had a license. Yes, but... they do. Yes, Ben. Oh, I have two master's degrees. Come on. Anyway, all that to say, uh, Ben trying to throw me under the bus very quickly. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. Over on you. That's all. <laughs> anyway, so, but all that to say, uh, getting back to jujitsu, um, <laughs> um, I think a lot of ways. You know, the question might be, well, how can I implement this in my training? Well, I'm glad that you asked, listener. Um, I one thing that I have uh, learned kind of over what my six plus years of training um, is, you know, trying to do some self-reflection in your own rolling. Uh, what do you struggle with? Um, is it the arm bar? Is it, you know, getting out of mount is which everybody struggles with. Uh, is it getting out of whatever situation it is or nailing this particular submission and, you know, find what that is and then spend a significant amount of time you know, if you're drilling with someone or doing a flow roll situation, say, hey, I want to start in this position or I want to start from this setup and do that consistently. Now, it doesn't have to be every single time, but try to do as many hours, hours as you can filling in that weakness, because if you are deliberately trying to fill in that weakness over time, your body is going to learn okay, this didn't work, this did work. If you're getting feedback from your coach, they're going to say, okay, well, let's try this angle. Okay, well, let's try this instead because there's all these biomechanics that you're going to have to implement, you know, especially if it's a bigger opponent, smaller opponent, whatever it may be, um, and learning to use your leverage, your momentum. You know, maybe that submission in that traditional setup is not going to be the best for you. Maybe let's try this variation. And so by zeroing in and trying to really hone in on that particular weakness that you are seeing in your own game or that a coach is seeing in your own game, I mean, that's going to improve your overall jujitsu. And it may be a move that you're not going to implement. You know, it may be something that you're just getting caught in it or you just really want to fill in that hole. And that's fine, you know, if you don't use it. But now you know how to, you know, implement it if you need to or get out of it even. 
it's uh it, i heard a recent concept um as if you're a skier and you're skiing through trees what do you focus on do you focus on the trees or do you focus on the path well if you focus on the trees all you see is trees and mm -hmm. all of a sudden your danger mm -hmm. the danger level goes up but if you focus solely on the path if you focus solely on the movement or you're in the goal what you're trying to do all of a sudden it becomes so much simpler mm -hmm. don't focus on what can prevent you from doing it like oh i can't do it from here because of mm -hmm. such and such reason oh it's just not the right position focus on how to get to it mm -hmm. focus on the path to say that arm bar from guard mm -hmm. how do i position myself what do i do not oh this guy's big and strong i can't get can't get it right yeah, no, I, I think that's a great, great concept. You know, what, what are you seeing? Are you seeing the path of the trees? I like that. That's a good, that's a good metaphor. Are you seeing the path or the trees? I like it. I like it, yeah. I think that's for us hobby again. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or, or are you seeing Gwyneth Paltrow? You know, who knows, you know. Hey, that's goop. That goop, well, yes, yeah. You know, the whole, you know about the lawsuit, right? And then she hit somebody skiing? Well, according to the jury, no, she did not Oh, hit. she got away with it. <laughs> Anyway, but uh, point being, sorry, that was our foray into pop culture. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know, I think that this is a practice that everyone should and can implement, um, even if you're not wanting to be a competitor. Um, I think this is something where if you're wanting your game to improve over the long run, you've got to see your weaknesses, you've got to see your strengths. And uh, of course, everybody's game is different. You know, my husband, you know, Ben, your, your game is different from mine. And you know it's that's great that's wonderful uh but very different body types and you know jujitsu is for everybody but you know everybody is going to present jujitsu differently so or practice jujitsu differently oh yeah so that's the cool thing about the art is mm -hmm. not everybody has to do the exact same thing mm -hmm. there's so many different ways to submit a person that it you can turn the top, the bottom, side. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Do what's comfortable for you. Develop that game and have fun with it. Yeah. I think that's a good word. Uh, any other points you want to bring up? I mean, there's so much. I mean, I, I, I still have pages of notes, so it's, it's up to you as to... It's bedtime soon for me. You've got to be up at 3 a.m. That's right. Yes, yes. Um, so, yes, this was our first foray, guys, into the uh, the book club. Um, let us know what you think. Uh, if there's another book that you would like us to cover, we have a few on the list that we're going to be getting to. Uh, but we would love to, to hear your feed, uh, feedback, uh, your comments, concerns, um, whatever you may have. Uh, but yes, so if you have any further questions or any other ideas uh, for topics to cover, let us know. We will be covering uh, some classic books like The Gift of Fear. I've referenced that before. Um, I'll be uh, doing the Transforming Trauma with Jiu-Jitsu, all these fun, wonderful books. Um, we'll delve into some psychology books as well and maybe some philosophy, just because that's the English teacher in me. So it'll be a bit of a book club situation. But yes, uh, yeah, anything you want to add, Mr. Ben? I think you did pretty well, though. Okay, well, I think we crushed it, you know. That's, you know, my opinion, though. I'm a little biased. So thank you for joining us for our first ever book club, and we hope to uh, do one again very soon. Bye, guys.
Zaza Music Festival, the most anticipated summer event, is coming to Baderfield in Atlantic City on July 15th and 16th. Lado, Da Baby, Remy Ma, Freeway, Beanie Siegel, Coyle Ray, Coco Jones, and more. Plus, the world premiere of the new Burner Boy Breakfast Metaverse series, with more artists to be announced. Tickets are on sale now at ZazaFestivals.com. Get your tickets before they're gone. Visit ZazaFestivals.com for more info about the VIP experience and the full lineup. ZazaFestivals.com. Leftovers. Or. The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.